Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the number one must-see sports podcast on the entire planet. I'm your host, Drake Tharp. We are at episode 10. Can you believe that? All right, there's the intro. Before I get into anything, I know, I know, I didn't release on Wednesday. Yes, it's well, it's Wednesday right now as we as I'm speaking, but it's coming out tomorrow, which is Thursday. I know I didn't release today on Wednesday, but here's the deal: I didn't have anything put together. Um, it's episode ten. I wanted to make it amazing for you guys. Um, my, hey, my job here is to entertain, and if I can't put a ten out of ten effort in. Um, I expect, I'm like Aaron Rodgers, I expect perfection every time I step on the field, and my field is this microphone, and if I can't be A, triple grade A on the mic, I'm not gonna put out some crap, I wasn't gonna shuffle together just a bunch of mumbo jumbo, I have a great episode in store for you guys, um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't want you guys to think I was, you know, out doing drugs or something just to hedge off Drake's corner, I, had an outline put together. I didn't like it. So yeah, I'm going to, I made, I made you guys wait an extra day and you know, I wasn't doing any drugs besides meth. Um, but yeah, we, I put it a extra day into the outline and I have a great show in store for you guys. we got a lot of action to cover a lot of college sports. I'm going to get into, um, NFL winners and losers of the week, fantasy wire, a uh, little segment on Robert Griffin III. He uh, has a new book coming out, and we'll get into that here in a second. Um, NBA, elite or not elite? And yeah, let's jump right into it. So yesterday, I, I did want to wait till the college football playoff picture came out to do the episode because it, it's kind of becoming a big deal now. You know, we got the New Year's, the New Year's games, you know, coming up here shortly within a month. Um and for the first time since the college football playoff rankings have came out, I am not pissed off at it. I like it. It's diverse. You know, you got Georgia, SEC, Michigan, Big Ten, Alabama. They're sitting at three. I don't mind it. And then Cincinnati and the AAC um, at number four. And then right outside, you got the Big 12 with Oklahoma State and then independent Notre Dame. I like that a lot. I would... I would maybe recommend that you'd have Cincinnati above Alabama, but if we're being honest here, Alabama's a way better football team. I am very happy that Michigan beat Ohio State. It brings a lot of differentiating factors into the college football playoffs. Ohio State bumped down all the way to number eight. Um, It's something new. I really like it. It's reasonable. It's diverse. There's a plethora of contending conferences in the new standings. It's great for the sport. And if you're a sport, I saw Colin Cowherd say this. If you are a sports fan, this is perfect. This is great. It's something new. It's competitive. There's contending conferences. Um, you know, I think Alabama, you know, with the close loss, it's a reason for them to be at number four. But hey, we know it's Alabama. They're they're obviously a good football team, but you know I love the differentiating factor. So, and I don't like Alabama, so I kind of want them kicked out. Uh, excuse my bias, but hey, this is the first time since those rankings came out where I'm not throwing up projectilely everywhere into my bathtub. I really like these rankings. Um, I like seeing Michigan there. It's something new. It's a new Big Ten team besides Ohio State. Georgia at one besides Alabama in the SEC. It's great to see Alabama. Not the top dog this year. Um, in Cincinnati, the dark horse, the team that, you know, 
the under it's the underdog of the college football playoffs. And then right outside, we haven't seen Oklahoma State. If one of those teams loses, Oklahoma State hops right in at from number five to in the, that top four spot. And I think it's good to see you know besides Oklahoma, Oklahoma State now in and it's and Notre Dame an independent squad right outside of that as well. So yeah, I'm not mad at it. I like it. Um, yeah. Besides that, in college football, we saw a few new coach hires. Um, Riley out of Notre Dame is now at LSU. I don't. I don't really have a take on that. I'm not. I'm not educated enough to put a a guesstimation on how it, how it'll go. Um, I know. I I was never really a big big fan of Ed Orgeron. Um, I think the players really made him into the coach he was. Um, that might be a dumb statement, but I don't think it was all coaching with him. The recruiting was done right. Um, but you have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. There's no reason that team should have lost with any head coach. Um, and now he was let go very recently. Um, and now this older guy, Riley, kind of like Ed Orgeron, comes in from an independent school, balanced offense and defense. Um, I think it'll work out good for LSU. Um, but you know, I'm not, I, I don't know enough. Let's just say that to, you know, go into the details of it on why it'll work, but here's who I do know the details of and wh- why it won't work at the squad. He's at Lincoln Riley has been hired at USC in a stunning college football move. Um, you know, Oklahoma, a power, a, you know, a power five conference team, uh, on the come up. It's always seems like they're just left out of the playoffs. Baker Mayfield led him to the playoffs. Unfortunately, I mean, unfortunate for Riley, they um, they lost. Oh, I got those names mixed up. I meant Kelly out of LSU. He's at LSU now. Riley is at USC. So, um, yeah, I don't think it will work. Here's the reason why. Lincoln Riley, no defense whatsoever at Oklahoma. Um, you know, you can jumble your offense back together at USC. You can make yourself – you can – bring the USC squad back to its contendership as it was in the middle of the 2000s. We haven't seen USC contend for the college football, you know, national title since um, the Reggie Bush days. So if the goal is to bring them back to that stature, it's just, and if, if it's going to be a rerun of Oklahoma, that's not going to bring them to the uh, college football playoffs at all, especially with four teams. If it moves to eight teams, maybe if it, you know, if it goes to that stature of level where it's all – in the Pac-12, it's all offense. We've seen that. It's kind of just like the Big 12, just a little less of, you know, a little less competitiveness. You know, you see Oregon, Stanford, and USC kind of at the top every year. With the Big 12, you got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, teams like that. All it's I don't think it'll work just because I think it's just going to be a rerun of Oklahoma and then the same power teams like Alabama and uh, Ohio State, Clemson, maybe not Clemson, but Georgia, they will take this team out with ease because of defense. And I don't think Lincoln Riley brings defense to the table with USC at all. He didn't with Oklahoma, and I don't think it'll work with USC. I think it's not. A, I don't think it's a dumb move. It's a good career decision to see if you can bring your talents elsewhere and build up that squad. But to be honest, I think Lincoln Riley would be a better NFL head coach or offensive coordinator than he would be a college coach because you can see – College football teams finding easy ways to score. You'll see a 55-50 game here. You'll see teams put up 60 points like that. Oklahoma did it this year, and 
there's a lot of struggling teams in the NFL offensively. Like my very own Chicago Bears could use someone like Lincoln Riley. I think an offensive spot for him in the NFL would work a lot better than at USC. But he just signed a deal, so it's not going to happen. Um, but I think it's just going to be a rerun of Oklahoma, and defense is a factor in college football. That's why Georgia's so good. That's why Bama's so good. That's why Michigan put down Ohio State is because of defensive play. And if your goal is to win by a shootout, it, I mean, it's not going to lead you to a national title. Sorry to say. And especially at USC. Even with the recruits coming over, I don't see it happening. Um, speaking of Reggie Bush, we have, I made a little, I was thinking today, you know, who would be the most profitable, like with the new NIL deal and college athletes able to make money and even high school athletes able to make money, before this whole deal, who would have been the, the most profitable non-pro athletic player before this NIL deal? And I have, I made a honorable mention list and then it's, insist the list here, top five list on most profitable non-pro athletes before the NIL deal. Yes, and this includes college and high school. So here we go. My honorable mentions are, Baker Mayfield, Vince Young, and Candace Parker. Baker Mayfield, you know, I talked about him last week. The crotch grabber. He loves he loves the hype. He's he's basically like a frat boy on the field. He I think the fraternity community loves him. He's great for show. He's got the he's got the dad bod look. He's a gunslinger. He brings attitude to the table. Anything that you could want. Um, Vince Young, kind of the face of college football in the mid-2000s, um, kind of brought that first uh, running style quarterback, made it in, to an elite level at Texas. Um, he was a one-of-a-kind deal, and he was kind of the face of college football alongside Reggie Bush in the mid-2000s. I think he's he's great, and he would have made a lot of endorsement money uh, as a one-of-a-kind athlete there. And I got Candace, Candace Parker, a women's basketball player who won the dunk contest in the McDonald's All-American uh, kind of deal event. Um, the men's, with men as well. She was dunking the ball with men. Uh, she kind of revolutionized women's basketball in the college scene and now in the WNBA. I think a lot of you know women would have looked up to her. I think she's a great face for women's basketball. And I think she would have made a ton of endorsement money from that. Um those are my three honorable mentions. Here's number five. I got Reggie Bush, like I was just talking about. The human highlight reel at USC, Heisman champion, or Heisman trophy winner. Um, he was a human highlight reel. He was, I think, most football players in that time frame uh, who wanted to make it to the league would watch his highlight tape. Um, you know, he got into a little trouble with the autograph signing, and he got his Heisman trophy taken away. And that just proves that if he was doing it under the table then, if it was legal, if it was, you know, able to be done, Reggie Bush would have made a ton of money over the counter. Anything anything you want, Reggie Bush was the face of college football in the mid-2000s. Number four, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, for the, for the Christian community, everybody loves him. He brought a title to Florida. He's a quarterback. That's why I have him above Reggie Bush. I think, I mean, obviously quarterbacks – uh, valuability on the market is a lot higher than most running backs. You don't see people walking around with their team's running back jerseys on. Um, in the Florida community, he finally brought a championship there. Um, I think Tim Tebow was a more of a activist rather than a player, and that's what I mean. He brought a championship, but at the same time, when you have that activist level, a lot of people like to buy your crap. 
you see it with Colin Kaepernick. Um, and I think that just proves that Tim Tebow, as an activist and a, and a winning championship player, would have been one of the most marketable college football players of all time, but not more than this guy. Number three, Johnny Money Manziel. Um, I, I think if you would have walked into any frat party in the year 2014, you would have seen at least 20 Manziel jerseys. And the reason why he's above Tim Tebow is I think it's easy to say that there's more frat boys in this world than Chris, or I don't know. That, I'll have to stat check that later. But you'll see a lot more frat boys in college than you will Christians. And um, Johnny Manziel was the face of college football kind of in the 2010s era. Um, he had the most, I've never seen more hype built around a college football player since him. And once he got to the NFL, he kind of was washed. But if he was able to market his stuff at Texas A&M, he would have been probably the most profitable college football player of all time. Uh, the name Johnny Manziel just kind of sticks out itself. He parties on the weekends. He touchdown grabber. He, he, he was made famous off beating Alabama. He was a gunslinger. He's everything you love, the taunting. Anything you could want, the face is there. Johnny Manziel would have been the most marketable college football player of all time. Now, the last two here are basketball players. And I think that it's number one's undisputed. Number two can be disputed, but I think it's Zion Williamson. Uh, Zion Williamson was uh, probably the most popular high school college basketball player I've been alive for. I haven't seen any hype around... um, any other college basketball player since Zion Williamson. Um, he really was brought to the scene kind of by Drake, the rapper. Uh, Drake wore his uh, high school jersey in a music video. Um, you know, he couldn't make money off it, but if he did, um, I saw his jersey being sold by third market seller, third party sellers on Etsy. He, I mean, the dunk videos, he was everything um, that flashy about basketball and with his weight he was a huge guy uh putting down 360 windmills he could have made so much endorsement money coming coming to duke are you kidding me that's the hierarchy of best college basketball um with rj barrett it was kind of a super team he signed with jordan i think he could have signed with nike or jordan a lot earlier than he did number one easy lebron james the most popular high school player of all time. Yes, the number one player on this list is a high school player, not a college player, but it's true. He was the first um, high school player to sell out like an arena. Um, He was the first to have a nationally televised high school basketball game. He was the chosen one. Um, You see his high school jersey still being sold by third market, third party sellers. Um, LeBron, it's LeBron James. Come on. I mean, Kobe's up there too, but you know, with the market, um, marketability of jerseys, high school players and college players in the 90s wasn't too hot, but with the internet, you know, skyrocketing, LeBron James jersey would have been sold probably double in his high school jersey than most NBA players. Um, he was ridiculous. There's There was plenty of scandals going on around him uh, in high school, receiving money from agents. Um, yeah, LeBron, the most popular non-pro athlete before the NI deal of all time, and he was a high school player. That says something. Speaking of uh, before the speaking of non-pro athletes, uh, college basketball early Final Four prediction. Uh, 
here's my final four that I think it's going to the final four is going to be with ease Kansas Duke Gonzaga Kentucky these four teams are the best teams in college basketball Kansas Kansas with their main scorer Akbaji they have the number one transfer class in the nation I think they're up there for the number one like the number one number one spot when you know when you have the bracket you got the number ones all around I think they're the be- I think they could easily be the best team here um they have a great big in McCormick they have it all built around they have a great guard they have a great transfer class they have the number one transfer class um they didn't lose a ton of starters I think Kansas is the best team in college basketball right now uh Duke Paulo Bancaro is the best player coming into the draft. They have a great uh, defensive player in Trevor Keels. He's also a great scorer. Wendell Moore, and the best coach in college basketball, Mike Krzyzewski. Um They have a great depth-led team. Um, I think that they can easily, it's Duke, they can make a run. Uh, number three, I got Gonzaga. Chet Holmgren, arguably the best player in college basketball. Um, he's the unicorn. He's got a great squad with experienced players behind him and they have a great bench too with guys coming off the bench uh they have a five-star hunter salas coming off the bench um number four i have kentucky i think kentucky is the most talented team on paper and yes they're my favorite team but i really think they have the most talented team on paper number two recruiting or number two transfer class number one recruiting class and they have a plethora of freshmen, sophomore, junior, senior talent. It's all over the place for them. It's only a matter of a matter of time before they put it together. But right now, I see those three teams a little above them. But overall, I think Kentucky's the most talented and has the highest ceiling with ease. Um, you know, it brings you the question too: NBA draft's coming. It'll be here before you know it. Who are you taking, Chet Holmgren or Paolo Bancaro? I think it's kind of who you need. And who's up? Uh, honestly, personally, I would take Paolo Bancaro. Um, I think I'd see Chet Holmgren as kind of a Porzingis prototype. He is very skinny right now. Obviously, he'll bulk up with the NBA training. Paolo Bancaro has a unmatched scoring talent, though. And when you have an unmatched scoring talent, you have to roll with it. Uh, we see it with Jalen Green. I think I see it with uh, a lot. It's Kevin Durant, obviously. I don't think Bancaro is anywhere near those guys. But... Um, with a scoring talent like that, you need to develop it into something unstoppable. And I think with Holmgren, great defense, great facilitating ability, great scoring. He can shoot the three, but so can Porzingis. I'm going to compare him to Porzingis a lot because that's what Porzingis came in as. He was a stretch big, very skinny, just like Holmgren. Um, shot blocking machine, just like Holmgren. He can hit the deep ball. Just like Holmgren, I think I see a lot of Porzingis in Holmgren. I've said Holmgren probably five damn times now, but it's true. Um, I'd rather take Bankera's once-in-a-lifetime scoring talent over that. And it, it honestly depends who you need. If you have a scorer on your team, and say the Pistons are up, and you got Cade, and you want to partner him with a big, I'd probably go Holmgren. If um, if it's somebody who just needs someone to build the team around like maybe the Rockets you pair up a score with Bancaro you already got a good big in Christian Wood I would take Bancaro there um but yeah those are the two best prospects right now for college basketball it'll be fun to see once the draft comes around we'll see a lot more coming from the Euro leagues and players uprising once the March Madness hits so yeah it's fun to think about six months early I know but these two guys I think are elite talent 
Um, I don't think this draft is as deep as last year's, but those two guys are kind of like the Cade and Jalen Green of this draft class. They'll be the elite guys. We're switching it up here. Let's go to football. Back to football. NFL winners and losers of the week. First winner I got. The number one winner, I think, in my opinion. Washington football team. They have won their last three games. They beat Seattle, the Panthers, and the Bucks, And they're sitting in the wild card spot. Their offense looks poised. They control the clock. Their defense handled Seattle perfectly to the point... Kind of not towards the end. They only gave up single digits towards the last 30 seconds of the game. But Heineke looks money. Antonio Gibson is a ground-and-pound great running back. And I think Washington can make a little run here towards the end of the season uh, and keep that wild-card spot. Loser, Cowboys. They've lost the last three of their four games, um, losing to the Raiders like that in overtime fashion. I know they're a little banged up, but um, they needed a little more defensive presence. You can't have Deshaun Jackson... Uh, burning you for a touchdown. That defense is way too good for that, especially with the penalties they had. They had over um, 166 yards given up in penalties. Um, Yeah, the Cowboys need a bounce-back win here against the Saints on Thursday night. It's a big deal. Um, Winner, another winner, San Francisco. San Francisco, yes. Uh, They beat Minnesota. um, And with Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is probably the most underrated quarterback in the league right now he's thrown 23 touchdowns guess how many interceptions three trace he um is playing out of his mind and san francisco took care of them with ease um debo samuel wide receiver running back hybrid jimmy garoppolo is playing great um they have a good receiving core with iuk samuel um George Kittle as well, Elijah Mitchell coming out of the gates hot as a you know a starter running back prototype. They look great. Their defense could be a little better, but they were playing Minnesota with one of the best receiving cores in the league. They took care of them, and they're sitting in the wild card spot as well with an over 500 record. I like them. That division is tough, but they are sitting pretty in the wild card spot. Um, if they, uh, I don't know who they have on their schedule upcoming, but if they play a lot of out of division teams, I could see them only losing one or two more games this season they could sit pretty at a 10 and 7 record with the wild card spot loser ravens i know they won lamar threw four picks though the browns look terrible the ravens almost look just as bad it's consistency with them um their defense played all right but lamar jackson needs to you know play at his mvp level like i know he can i'm a huge lamar jackson fan and i don't like seeing him throw four interceptions it's uh he's hard on himself as a quarterback, he, he tweeted out, I need to get back in the lab. And, you know, he's watching he's watching film. So hopefully he bounces back from that. Uh, winner, Kansas City. I know they had their bye week, but that offense looks poised. I'm ready to see them back in action um, upcoming here on Sunday. Uh, I think they're arguably the best AFC team uh, next to New England. I think, you know, uh, they meet here coming up in the playoffs. That'll be one of the best games to see. Uh, loser, Minnesota. Uh, they lost the Packers two weeks ago with Packers having 12 starters out. Uh, Minnesota, or they didn't lose to the Packers. They only won by a field goal, but they should have destroyed them. Um, but they did lose against the 49ers. Not a good look. I'm not really high on the 49ers at all, but they have been kind of consistent over the last three weeks. Um, Minnesota obviously has a better offense than them on paper, and they need to take care of teams like that, especially with a wild card spot on the table. 
those are my winners and losers of the NFL week. Kind of, you know, I would do a power rankings list, but it, if I'm being honest, it's the same. I got Packers number one. I got Patriots up there in the AFC as the number one AFC holder uh, with Kansas City right behind them. Uh, the Cardinals fully healthy. I have them behind the Packers in the NFC. Nothing's really changed. Uh, I don't see Tampa um, in the top two mix right now just because of consistency. They lost to Washington. Um they lost to the Saints. They need consistency, um, and it's all happened very recently, um, but we'll see. They can't have one of those inconsistent losses come playoff time. So there is my power rankings in the 30 seconds. There you go. I know power rankings is kind of my thing on the show. That's kind of like my main event factor, but it hasn't changed. I'm sorry. I know I say it changes every week, but this week it hasn't. I got some fantasy wire for you guys, and I let me just tell you, I absolutely killed it on that Dontrell Hilliard call for the Titans running back. He put up 20 points for me. I put him in my league. Um, yeah, I still lost, though. Um, I was dealing with injuries. Anywho, fantasy wire for the week. Chuba Hubbard. Christian McCaffrey's out for the season. Who's going to get the touches? Chuba Hubbard. And you bet your ass he's going to catch balls. So if you're in a PBR league, Chuba will probably catch eight to nine balls a game. They still have the same system that's built around McCaffrey. Um and he'll probably pick up a touchdown, maybe two, maybe three. You never know. Uh, but he's the starting back. If you know, I mean, what more can you want besides the starting running back? Same with Alexander Madison. Dalvin Cook's out for uh, we don't know how long for. It's obviously a chest injury. It could be bad. Um, but if you need a starting running back and somehow Madison is still available in your league, that's one guy you want to pick up. Besides the running backs, I got a receiver left, Kendrick Bourne. Uh, over the last three weeks, he's had two weeks where he's put up over 20 points in a single fantasy outing. Um, he's becoming a top guy for the Patriots, receiving core at least, and he is looking kind of looking like a star a little bit in that offense. Him and Mac Jones, kind of the young crew going on. Um, look for him to get a lot of catches and maybe some more touchdowns. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure on that. Uh, let's see. Last but not least with the NFL here. The RG3, RG3, Robert Griffin III, uh, is releasing a new book, Exposing Washington, and then he lists off a few things that coincide with that. A coach's greed, um, he had owner's mishap, and then the big one was that bounced off the book at you, sexual harassment. We saw this probe go underway, and that basically led to John Gruden's firing, but there was a probe into the Washington football team. They had their facility rated for drugs, um, but now besides that, they have a probe going into the ownership of the team, um, and it's really the first time we've seen a player come out and say something about um, the whole under-the-weather probe that was going on, but I think it's kind of weird that the teams who are under investigation, like well, for instance, let's go to the NBA with the Phoenix Suns. Um, their owner Robert Sarver, who has been, you know, said to be a weirdo. Um, they've won 17 straight games basically since um, that's happened, and now Washington um, still under investigation or in the middle of the probe that the NFL has put into. Um, in the middle of that, they've won three straight games. So some weird correlation of teams going off while their team is under investigation. It's kind of weird. But basically, um, RG3's new book, he's going to expose everything with the owner, uh, the coaches, um, sexual harassment, which is coinciding with Washington's uh, 
facility raid, the whole probe investigation. It's really the first time we've seen a player actually come out and talk about it. Um, even with the Phoenix Suns thing, we have we've seen coaches talk about it, but we haven't seen like the players' side. And the player of the caliber of RG three status, it's big. RG three, it's huge in Washington, and he's dropping a book on the entire thing. So. Um, it'll pr- be a great read from a player's perspective, and he was probably cl- close with the coach and the owner and everything that went into it. So he's apparently going to drop a bombshell, and I'll probably I'll probably open it up, get my readers on, read some text a little bit. I don't know. Who's to say? Who's to say? I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a bookworm by any means, but um, that'll definitely catch my attention. And for the main event and some NBA, we're playing a little game. It's called Elite or Not Elite. Who's elite? Let's start off with some Eastern Conference uh, mega heads. The Nets. Do I see them as elite? In the East, I do. Um, if they were in, in the, if they were in the West, I would say no. But in the East, I think they're the favorites. Um, Kevin Durant is shooting out of his mind. James Harden's picking it up. They have a gr- uh, great bench. I don't know Kyrie's status, but if he comes back, they're unstoppable. Um, the Warriors, who I think were the best team in the West until the Suns beat them. Uh, I do think they're elite, though. Once Clay comes back, I think it's hard not to argue for them that they're the best team in the West. Um, they Jordan Poole is rising as a star. I told you guys about four or five episodes ago before this season was underway that I think Jordan Poole is a candidate for most improved player, and he's proven that right now. Um, but, yeah, they have a great bench um, so far, and Clay Thompson's out, and they're still second in the West now. Um, the Heat. They're not elite. I don't know why. It's because they don't have star caliber like the Bucks or the Nets do at all. Um, I love Jimmy Butler, but I don't think he's a superstar. I think he's a star. Jimmy Butler's a star, but I don't think I think Kyle Lowry won't get it done against guard play like Harden and even Drew Holiday. Um, I just think they're one step under the. I think they're like a poor man's Bucks. They have defense and they bring intensity to the court, but I don't think it'll lead to a playoff push. The Clippers, and I'm going to I'm gonna double these up here too. I think these are the mini heads of the West, the Clippers and the Nuggets, not elite. They will, both of them will make it as far as the Western Conference semifinals, if anything, but as far as that, I don't see good chemistry with the Clippers, and the Nuggets are always too banged up to make a great playoff push besides the bubble year. Um, Jamal Murray's out. He's going to be out for a while. Once he comes back, I don't know if he'll be up to caliber there. Um, let's see here. Who else we got? The Lakers. Not elite. Yes, I know I said it. They have they Their players like to go off, and they like to put up stat lines, but it doesn't turn out to wins. I think their defense is poor. I think their chemistry is poor. I think it's all built around Westbrook, LeBron, and AD, and nobody else matters. That's not going to get it done for you. Um, still, right now, um, I don't think they're elite. They just whooped on the Kings. Big deal. Uh, LeBron wasn't playing. Russell and AD, they did their thing, but it's the Kings. Um, it's going to take a while before they reach that elite status. Um, the Bulls, I think they're elite. They have a lot of good pieces. Um, I'm not being biased here. I know it's my team, but they have f- like a big four almost with Vucevic, DeRozan, Levine, and Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is becoming... Um, one of the best facilitators. He takes. He has three scores around him. It's perfect for his passing ability, his court vision. Um, DeRozan is going off because all the eyes are on Levine because 
you know, for the last four years, Levine was the only one scoring in Chicago. Now DeRozan, you take an eye off him, and he's hitting mid-ranges, uh, slamming it in your face every single play. Um, it's, a gr- it's a great setup in Chicago, and I think they can go, go far here in the East. Um, what else we got? The Suns, easily elite, best scheme in the NBA. Um, you know, I can't really name a player who's the reason for that because their scheme is so good. It's a team effort. Um, with the Warriors, you got Steph Curry. That's why they're insane. He's probably front runner for MVP right now. With the Clippers, Paul George up there for MVP race. Um, but it's not one player. I know. I know D Book is up there, or and Chris Paul. But it's a team effort with them, and they are elite. So that is my finale of the show, elite or not elite NBA edition. And that'll conclude the show. I hope you guys enjoyed episode 10 of Drake's Corner. Um, Like I said last week, expect more with this channel coming up. I'm working on a few things for you guys. And once again, I apologize for the Thursday episode. I wanted to put together something special for you guys. It's the Christmas season. I got to bring out surprises. I hope it was a good episode. I was kind of just rambling on the whole time. Um, Anywho... Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't doing drugs besides meth. Um, yeah, I was just trying to put together a ten out of ten, can't miss episode. Um, and I don't know. Tell me how I did. Well, thanks for watching, everybody. It's episode ten of Drake's Corner, and I will see you guys next Wednesday. Yes, I promise. Peace.